Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I'm chatting with Samantha Van Matter, data science technical lead at Kantar and machine learning content creator. Samantha has a bachelor's in engineering and a master's in data science and helps teams successfully scale and deploy data science and analytic solutions. In this episode, we chat about the tech stack needed to deploy machine learning models, her journey to becoming a technical lead, and how we can all ensure our models have the business impact we are looking for. Enjoy! Sam, welcome to the Data Bytes podcast. I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. How's your day been? It's been good, very busy and productive, but overall, um, loved it. Good. Well, you must be in a role and a place you love if at the end of a busy day, you're like, it was a lot and it was busy, but I loved it. Like that's a sign you're probably in the right role and doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today you work as a data science technical lead. And one of the things you really focus on is successfully scaling and deploying data science and analytic solutions. And I was so happy to meet you and read about this because it's exciting to see that we're in the space of data science where it's not just a prototype of a model. We're actually implementing these models into productions and scaling and deploying them. But this is also kind of an unknown territory for a lot of people, especially if you're a self-taught data scientist, because you yeah. normally don't have a place that you can deploy it. It's really hard to get practice in this space of deploying and scaling models. So can you first share a little bit of like how you learned this knowledge um, and what are some of the learnings you've had along the way through scaling and deploying data science solutions? That's, yeah, that's perfect. So I started off um, with the company I am now. Um, as a data scientist, I was building a lot of machine learning models. Um, we were doing a lot of exploratory work. Um, and then I got my real first production um, project um, that time. And um, that's when I learned more about applying over and above just your model. Um, you apply a lot of software engineering practices, like to package the whole thing into something that can be deployed. So it was proper programming, um, detailed programming that I really didn't have. Uh, I come from a stats background, so I was more on the statistics, understanding the models, and now I had to like create a whole package um, and then learn about how do you connect that to like an MLS service and how to give that to a client so people can use it in the UI on the other side. So the, the first um, part of it was pretty much packaging everything so that it's in a form of an API. And then that API was fed into another um, engine or another application. And then um, I'd say product owners or clients can then access that API through a UI. They could run, like, put in their inputs, like their data that's required, and then get an output from it. So that was my real first experience. And then I ended up joining the team that, because um, I thought that it's such a good skill to have, you know, just to learn how to productionize a model. And then I went into the tech lead role where I then really started working with the DevOps people. I started doing a lot of self-learning. I started attending, I attended meetups a lot. Um, 
those these meetups in Amsterdam when I moved to Amsterdam that were about data science and production, about Docker, and I was very overwhelmed. And when I attended those meetups, um, at least I could take something away and go back to my organization and with the dev teams and say, hey, can we do this? And the beauty of those meetups is that they had workshops. So they were not just um, you attended, but there was a portion of it where there's a workshop and you had to deploy something or build something. And that was a, an interesting um, learning for me and something I could take back. So that's how I learned about how to deploy models. I also did like a Google talk like a work whole workshop on how to deploy a shiny app using docker and that that to me was like i was like oh i can't believe i did that and i'm actually hosting a workshop on this because it's a skill set that is really beyond me as a as a data scientist or as a stats data scientist as i should put it yeah thank you for sharing because i think your story resonates with a lot of us either you came from like a social science background where you worked with statistics and you learned at that or had a math background. Um, and so a lot of times people coming into data science or machine learning, they learn the algorithms first, right? Which is a great place to start. You know, we have to build models, but then stepping into that side a little bit more of like DevOps and software developer is a hard place to go into, right? So I love that you were just like super curious about it and like got connected with community and took on those opportunities um, and then had the opportunities to do it at work. But for people who don't have the opportunities to do it at work and are trying to like learn it themselves, do you have any advice for them in terms of like how to get started with that? Like, is it more software development skills that they need to have? And should they be looking down that pathway or like what's the best place to get started? And um, learning how to deploy it, your models. It is really software engineering skills, um, in my opinion, because I, I felt like it had a lot more working with um, code, um, working with um, technologies that I wasn't familiar with myself. Like it's a different tech stack from the traditional data science where you are just using, um, let's say your Python, SQL and R and you're like good to go as a data scientist. Um, but when you now have to go into the infrastructure side, you now need to look at, okay, um, cloud technologies, um, Microsoft Azure, I need to look at blob storage, I now need to look at um, Docker technologies, I need to look at networking. So it's, 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 it's a big learning curve and it's actually a profession of its own. So although I did learn all of this stuff and um, I realized that it's a, it's a job, it's like a role of its own. And it was nice for me to learn it as a tech lead because I can now really speak the language of the engineers and the data scientists and kind of help these teams work together and build best practices around it. But I don't get involved in building the pipelines anymore because it's it's really is a really a really focused area in in itself. I would say for data scientists, it's good to know the process um, end to end so you can speak the language with your engineers. Um, but it's it's for some roles, it's necessary. Like you have to do the whole, especially for smaller startups. Um, if you work at a startup, you're expected to do everything, right? Um, but as you work for bigger organizations, um, everything becomes more specialized and everybody is working in a more specialized um, bracket or box. And um, the beauty, I guess, for tech and data science is that you can move within these spectrums when you feel like it, right? So I felt like this was a great opportunity to move into that spectrum, see if I enjoy it. And sometimes I'll move back. You'll find me creating a Power BI dashboard tomorrow. So <laughs> it's so it's so wild. 
Um, but I would, uh, the advice I would really give them is to try um, get some software engineering skills, um, learning how to kind of build Python packages, um, object-oriented programming, getting into that mindset is a, a good place to start. Yeah, so one of the things you mentioned was the tech stack and I know you mentioned like Azure and Docker and you had to learn more about networking. Can you talk us through what that tech stack looks like? Because I think you gave a really good piece of advice, which is like, hey, even if you're not going to be a DevOps person or even if you're not going to be a software engineer, like still as a data scientist or working in this space, it's important to know what that process looks like so you can speak the language. I know we talk about this a lot as like data scientists. We want you know, our business partners to be able to speak the language so that we can communicate with them, but we have to do it ourselves too. And I think it's really important to remember that. So can you give us like a quick overview of like what that typical deployment tech stack looks like? And I know there's, you know, a lot of different versions that you can use, but what's kind of your go-to tech stack for deployment? So it's obviously Git is a big one. Like, um, everything you do, you build your workflows in Git. Um, the Microsoft Azure, so if you know like Azure or you know um, AWS, um, either one is, is really good because you need to kind of understand the concepts behind virtualizations and virtual machines and storage and all of that is done in the cloud. And um, you also need to, everybody's, I think the Primary technology is Docker right now, um, everyone's using. Um, there's also Kubernetes, that's another aspect of it. And I have not touched on Kubernetes myself um, at the moment, but um, I started learning it, but I was like, this is so complex. And I was like, I think I'm gonna take it one step at a time. <laughs> um, but that's um, another big technology that's um, useful to learn. Um, there, it, it obviously depends on what you're deploying as well. Um, there you can also deploy like just a simple Jupyter notebook um, using other third-party applications like Databricks. Don't know if you've heard of um, those types of applications as well. Those ones work really well. Um, and it's kind of, those ones that kind of provide like a UI interface for data science to deploy stuff. It's like just a click of a button and it's not really like deep coding but it does have a, a workflow as well where you can say, hey, my notebook is in production. You could say that as well. Um, <laughs> so that, that's another type, type of product that you can deploy. But yeah, the one I describe is pretty much when you're creating your own solution and your own um, user interfaces. I think that gives people a really good starting point, especially if they're looking to learn more, right? Start checking out Git, some cloud provider, whether it be Azure, AWS, GCP, Docker, Kubernetes. And then it's great to know like there's these no-code, low-code solutions as well with things like Databricks as well. So once you have this, your tech stack ready to go for deployment and you deploy your model, how do you monitor your models? Is there a different set of a tech stack that you like to use to monitor models? Because um, unfortunately, it's not a once and done either in terms of how we're using the models and making sure that um, we don't have drift over time as well. So at the moment, we're not having, um, not utilizing a lot of technologies outside of exploring Databricks and their workflow, like the ML flow, that they and those tools that they have for monitoring um, 
models in production, but essentially it's creating like having your own scripts um, where you can see whether there's been a, um, a distribution shift in the data that you have, um, creating alerts around, let's say an accurate, some accuracy has gone down or threshold, but it is all manual. I, we, I don't think um, the maturity is, is not there yet, but um, trying to get more knowledge into this and eventually getting to that level of maturity is obviously the end goal. That's great. So you mentioned that being a tech lead, you felt it was really helpful for you to learn this whole process. Um, can you talk a little bit more as in terms of what you do as a tech lead? Do you have people that you manage and report to you? Is this like a manager position or as a tech lead, is it more a individual contributor, but you're looked at as like the subject matter expert? Um, so can you talk a little bit more about me, that? Yeah, for me, it's both, right? So you are looked at both a subject matter expert because people will come to you, um, especially um, whether it's business or whether it's data scientists, they'll come to you to ask you for solutions. They'll be like, oh, I've got, I'm building this thing and can you advise how I can deploy it or can you give me the best way on how I can um, build it? So that is a SME you provide for um, data scientists and product managers and Project managers also want to know um, in terms of timelines, if things are possible. So you work a lot with those teams. Um, and in my role, I directly managed, um, I would say managed, because obviously there's been some people have moved <laughs> in the organization, but it was initially three um, developers, um, two developers, and one was, a, I would say, more of an engineer and um, who looked after the pipeline. Um, the two developers really helped with automating stuff that I wanted to be make it easier for data scientists to um, work on their platform. So an example of an automation would be things that you repeat over and over, right? So you might have like creating a, an API that connects to some um, database and every data scientist uses this uh, thing over and over. So you create a package that automates it so they can just load the package in their program and make facilitate things to be easier. So I've got teams that, um, that I managed to create those, I'd say, um, what do they, there's a word for it, helper functions, yes. Um, so I help them create the helper functions and I make suggestions for what helper functions we need. Um, so even if it's from a modeling point of view, if it's from a data cleaning point of view, so data cleaning, especially when you have like standardized like social media data that comes in, we can create like a data cleaning pipeline for them, uh, make sure everything's clean so they don't have to do that process over and over. So um, especially when you think about data cleaning, such being a big aspect of data science, um, if we can provide, if I, I always say that if I can provide more automated ways of managing this and helping teams manage it, um, that is um, good. Um, idea. So that's in what a Dana, what a tech lead looks like. But you also have to contribute something um, as well. In so when I mentioned the Docker example before, I created a POC around it. So I create like proof of concepts on how things can be done, on how things can work. Um, even when I moved to the Databricks platform, I created a lot of like POCs and frameworks and testing, checking out. Um, does would this work for us, or is it not worth? Is it not worth it? Um, you can get involved into providing input for business cases for um, 
buying specific technologies, but more always in the scope of data science and not really in the scope of um, other <laughs> other things. Yeah. So it sounds like a great role of your enjoy working with lots of people because you work with other data scientists and product managers. You have a few people who report to you, yet you still get to get your hands dirty and build some things at times too, which is like a great kind of combination of both worlds. So what led you to this point? I mean, it seems like there's a lot you need to know as a tech lead, particularly for machine learning and data scientists. Can you give us a little bit more of a background of what was your career journey to this point? So my career journey was I started as a data scientist and I moved to senior data scientist. I was creating a lot of models and applications, but every time I went to conferences or places or even with the teams and people that I was working with, there was always this big bottleneck on how do we get stuff? How do we add business value? You know, it's, it was always frustrating not being able to add business value. So I started to learn, um, I kind of took my own initiative to say, I'm going to learn more about um, what it means to actually take something to market, you know? So um, there was not, I think now I would say it's a bit more mature, but I don't think data science and production is as mature as like the models phase that we, that, that we work in that's pretty defined. So I took the initiative, like, I'm going to learn this. And um, I had, I worked with, in my organization as well, I, I worked with another tech lead um, that he was a know-it-all. So he knew so much, um, not just um, mathematics and science. And I was very inspired by his career path and his journey. And I kind of thought that is um, a great, this looks like a great path for me. And um when he left the organization, I kind of filled in that slot um, and it was it was a great opportunity. And I moved to Amsterdam as well for, for this opportunity. And um, yeah, and I thought it was knowing how to add value with the stuff that we built is always a passion for me. I don't I'm a type of person who just doesn't like to build things. I like to um, work with things that are going to have an impact. So I got a bit frustrated with not understanding, like, how do we make things have an impact? What's happening? What's a so I have a passion on trying to get things um, to add value, I guess. So that's why I, I, but that's what motivated me to gain this knowledge and to kind of go through that process. Um, and I think it's, 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 yeah, I think what are we, I always say that modeling um, for me, especially in industry, if you're not working in research, was such a small portion of what everything else was was happening. And, yeah, so you can you kind of forced. It's I guess it's more natural in a way, or to move to move to learn a little bit of that knowledge. Yeah, well, I think we definitely need more people like you in the world who are like, I want to do work that has an impact, right? So, and it's, and it's unfortunate that we have seen a lot of models not go into production or have the business value that we talk about within data science. I know even just as an organizational level, the statistics still range true that about like 80% of like AI and machine learning initiatives fail. So given that you're somebody who has a passion for making sure it has impact and has that business impact. What things can we be doing differently as data scientists or machine engineers to make sure that 
from the beginning, we're not in that category of the 80% of projects that fail. And we're in that category of the 20% that actually succeed and have that impact we all know is possible and we're looking for. I always feel like um, the initial phase of like identifying the problem is always important. And identifying that problem with um, a subject matter expert or someone with a business or stakeholders who can who actually knows that this this is a business problem and a data scientist can then say that okay I can we can translate this problem into a data problem right and running experiments to show that it is um, machine learning is the answer so I think getting to that point where you need to really scrutinize or um, ask the valid questions to make sure that machine, I'm saying machine learning um, in general, because when we when I speak of data science, I always think of advanced algorithms. So I'm just putting everything in a box of machine learning. So I think we just need to quantify well that machine learning is the answer. And it's not just like the requirement is not, can't, the problem can't be solved with an Excel spreadsheet. It can't be solved with a, some statistical analysis, or it can't be solved with a dashboard. So just really getting into that that um, mind that, okay, it is a machine learning problem. We can design an experiment on it. Um, how are we gonna measure success? So we know it's a machine learning problem, but we also need to quantify how we're gonna measure success. And once you've got all of those things established beforehand, um, then you can start experimenting and seeing um, if any, um, having an, an environment. So I say, one of the big things that we have is an experimentation environment. Um, setting that up is really critical for success where you can play around with things um, and mimic a live scenario and you can really test to see if something has value and you can work with your business owner on it um, and you can test models and different and things. And then once that foundation is established, then you look more into, okay, let's productionize it. But obviously, um, I skip the process of when you are starting to code and creating these things, um, when you become a very experienced data scientist who knows the object-oriented programming part of it, then you can also think about deployment in mind before you um, start the project. And then you know that deployment is not going to, you're not going to face it as a, an obstacle um, down the line. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about having that success criteria and identifying it up front. And, you know, this is something if you come from a science background, you're well trained in, right? Because you know that you can't do an experiment without saying what your success criteria. Otherwise, yes. it makes the experiment invalid, right? So, yes. <laughs> you know, we all come into this field from different backgrounds, some in computer science, some in hard science, um, some in social sciences. So I think that's just a good reminder for us. It's easy to get really excited and we fall in love with the algorithms that we use. But just as you mentioned, sometimes it could be an, an Excel report or a dashboard that is the right solution. Like we can't always be trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So I love that mindset and approach you have of, you know, start with really identifying the business problem, that success criteria, and open your mind to think about it may be more than an ML solution. It may be a dashboard solution or a report solution and opening your mind to those possibilities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's such a great reminder for all of us to keep in mind as we move forward. As you move forward in your career, you know, you mentioned 
you were diving into Kubernetes. What are some of the other things that you're learning or where are you looking to go next? Um, you have such a great base of knowledge, um, but what, what's kind of on your current like learning plate right now? So it's it's always interesting. I think for me, because I have been like, I don't want to say all over the place, but I think for any data scientist, like the first four years you work in industry, you're trying to really understand how things work and what's the best processes and how we add business value. And once you get there you, and once you've, um, once you've done all of the, or you've tried the different um, areas of data science and you want to specialize. So if I, my real speciality or my real love is actually in the data. So I really love building models, creating models, and um, especially in the area of um, natural language processing and just learning more about that and learning about the technologies. Um, the past year, I have been so focused more on this role that I'm in right now and learning um, all of the different tech stacks and how um, things work to be successful in industry, but now I want to be like, oh, okay, I want to go back to um, NLP. I want to understand models. Now that I really know, I've some. I really know the process. Um, I know where I want to specialize, and I want to know which domain I want to build expertise in. So even with NLP, understanding how those models um, work in production, um, but really on the modeling and statistics side is, is really where my um, passion lies in terms of what gets me excited. <laughs> but yes, I, I love adding value. So that's why I ended up here, but I really enjoy um, looking at data. That's such a great way to approach things. Cause as you mentioned, like you start with adding value first. So that's allowed you to explore new areas of the tech stack and learn new things. But that doesn't mean you can't come back to your true love, right? So just because yeah. maybe you had, I, I, I always say that as well because because uh, even with this role, I've also got an like experience with like hands-on management as well. So you get to see is management for me? Do I love um, working um, like being responsible for people and mentoring people? I think it's 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 quite uh, it's quite varied and. It's, I think it's, I might even change my mind a couple of years, a few years later, but I, I know that I really love the <laughs> modeling. And I think once, um, when you work in an organization where things are now established, I think it was also coming in where we, we need to first establish the foundation for the infrastructure. Then you can realize that we can, I can actually focus on NLP. I can focus on this domain and building skills here because now we don't have to worry about infrastructure being a blocker to things being successful. So that's, um, yeah. That's where exciting. I want to go. Well, your, your, your story is very inspiring. I mean, what you've been able to accomplish and do today is incredible and your knowledge and breadth of the tech stack and data science models is one I think just a great reminder for all of us to continue learning, continue to make sure we're driving that business impact forward um, and continuing to reevaluate what I love, what we love, because it's always okay yeah. to, to go back to where we started from as well. Yes, I think we can move around. And I, I also believe that another love of mine is obviously the social media, my social media side where I like making content and that's also a, a 
that's an area for me that I really want to um, work more on and provide more value to the community in. Yes, and that's a great segue because I'll let everyone know to go check out your YouTube and your TikTok, Instagram, all your social media because it's really fantastic. Yes. That's how we got connected. <laughs> uh, not only are you an amazing technical lead, but also you're a great content creator and do such a great job of sharing fun ways to explore what it's like to work in this space. So we'll include all your social links in the show notes, but I highly encourage everyone go check out um, it's same Z codes on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. So before we wrap up today's conversation, I'd love to dive into some quick rapid fire questions with you if you're ready to go. Yep. Super. Awesome. So what song do you currently have on repeat? I have been listening to, I think it's like two songs, but Unstoppable by Sia is is just been my repeat song <laughs> over and over. And and I think it's also like when I became a mom, like you 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 feel like you now have some type of limitations and things. And when I listen to that song, I'm always like, okay, no, today you're gonna be honest. You need that energy to just pick you up and make sure that yeah, you nothing can really stop you. Um um, there are limits, obviously, to what we can do, but um, just to get that myself hyped up, hyping up myself, um, that's been a great tune. Favorite place yeah. you've traveled? Um, I recently went to Greece, and that was, um, I think it's like Crete, and that was my favorite place, to be honest. I think it, it had so many elements of my, where I used to live before, Cape Town uh, in South Africa. So when I visited it, it just felt like home, not home, but familiar. And at the same time, um, very beautiful and, and very special, um, very special trip. Happiness is? Spending time with the people that I love can never have enough time with them. I agree. <laughs> In the <laughs> next five years, I hope to. I hope that I become my social media gets does well. <laughs> Joking, but five years, I think it's. Quite, yeah, I think I would like to be more, um, hmm, it's always hard with a five-year plan. Professionally, um, I think just be getting back into the space of being the NLP expert um, track um, that I initially started off with and have a passion for and being an SME in that field. So becoming like a lead or principal data scientist um, specializing in that area it would be more of my five-year career track um life goes I want a house in five years <laughs> I love it. awesome awesome <laughs> personal goals work goals you got it all in there that's beautiful <laughs> yeah but yeah the work yeah yes and then last question to me curiosity is Curiosity is asking why, like really every time you're tossed to do something, always just being, not being afraid or being scared to 
really say, why is this being done? Why are we doing this? Um, and making an effort to find the answers. Beautiful. Well, that's a great place to wrap us up today. I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time. I know you're an incredibly busy person being a mom, a tech lead, a social media superstar. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your thoughts with us today. Yeah, this was great. A very great conversation. I've enjoyed it. Well, we look forward to having everyone tune in again soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Data Bytes podcast. And remember to stay curious and keep learning. And we will chat with you all next time. Thanks, everybody. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.